for our acts The sea can be deep for our diving Hope comes and stops us in our tracks Bravely we prove in our striving Trudging together each day Hello, everyone, and welcome to Raw Recovery, a Trudging Together podcast. My name is Dion Miller, and I will be your host today. Today, we have, I'm looking forward to this. Um, we have uh, Marshall, who has become a, a good friend of mine um, in my home group. Over at, uh, I don't want to blow too much anonymity at our home group. We'll just leave it at that. Um, and Marshall and I have kind of get, gotten to know each other uh, a little bit, um, you know, working with the group and, you know, just kind of chatting around. We were just yakking about quitting smoking right before here and how we can apply those same techniques to other addictions that we have um, and so on and so forth. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say you can find us on Facebook, Trudging Together, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. Um, and of course, if you want to hear any of the podcasts or anything that we do, you can always go to www.trudgingtogether.com and you will find everything for your visual and hearing needs. So let's get on with the show. Marshall, thank you so much for taking your time today, this Saturday morning, to come on and share your story with us. Thanks, Dion. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So this is always the fun part of the show because we never know what to say. <laughs> so I always like to start with a with a question or open it up. Um, so Marshall, what I'm going to do is this is your show. I'm going to go ahead and open it up, and it's going to be yours now. So why don't you let uh, let us uh, know a little bit about yourself? Okay. Well, um, I've been in sobriety for. Closing in on a, a couple of years, uh, okay. I had a difficult time uh, buying into the program into the beginning. Okay, uh, I, it was not. I I didn't have the principles of the program uh, working for me uh, in the beginning, okay. and I had some uh, really good sponsors. I actually had two, but that doesn't mean that uh, I was you know towing the towing the line uh i would i would go out you know okay uh but i did i did come to terms with that okay um and do you think maybe talking to those people kind of told you what you needed to do when you were ready do you think maybe you got some information on hey i know i need to get back to this aa thing or i need to get back to I needed to get myself ready. Um, okay. I was going through changes at the time. I had been uh, self-employed for oh, almost 50 years, you know. Wow. Okay. And, and I, I was ready to close up. Uh, I'm 67 years old, and I started this business when I was uh, 17. Yeah, and, I was going to say, darn, you were pretty yeah, young. A long, I was real early. And uh, I spent my whole life doing that. I had a few uh, 
other things that I did as far as working for people, but uh, okay. I was I was always self-employed. Um, okay. That, yeah, that said, uh, I was getting ready to close all that up and close up a, a, a shop. Um, I was a, a piano man, and I had mm. a, and I had a piano shop for for well forty five of the fifty years. Can I ask um, which one it was? Yeah, Luke Piano Company. So uh, it was a piano rebuilding company. I know there yeah. goes your, there goes an anonymity thing, but I don't really care because yeah. that was that was what I did, you know. Yeah. Um, and I had people that worked with me, and uh, it was getting time to close that up, and so I wanted to sell the property. I had a rental house over there. I wanted to sell everything, get rid of my equipment, and okay. just, just sit there and do some service, uh, maybe out of a toolbox rather than out of a great big shop, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that those days were coming problem was mm. is I, I had never experienced not having that responsibility in front of me and okay. uh and my drinking certainly got in the way there uh yeah i had tried to quit and and then things were going on and uh, as my sponsor used to say uh well, you haven't experienced this before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a pretty lame excuse, right? Uh, any excuse <laughs> is is pretty lame, but uh, yeah, no, I was going through things that were um, different for me, and uh, okay. I I didn't control it, and uh, I kept going out, and uh, huh. finally all that came to light, and I quit okay. quit making excuses. <laughs> in other words yeah. I, I became honest yeah yeah I think the very first honest thing I said in AA was I don't know I think it for me it was I have a desire to stop drinking there you uh, go. yeah and I am powerless and I it's become unmanageable and I was told that that principle is honesty. Mm -hmm. And it's not just being honest with you. It was mm -hmm. mostly about me being honest with me. Absolutely. And, and that sunk in finally uh, after a time out, you know, uh, I had gone out <laughs> and I was, of course, flat on my face, you know, uh -huh. and I yeah. woke up and I said, that's it. I am done. And it was, that was it. Uh, I had, uh, my wife had moved out and, uh, okay. and things were terrible, you know, and yeah. I, I was going to AA every day and that okay. made it, that made it really terrible. <laughs> you know, try, yeah. try going to AA every day and then having, uh, I don't want to call it a relapse, but where I would resume drinking because I hadn't yes. even worked any of the steps yet, you know? Yep. There are many a times I left AA meetings and went straight to the liquor store. Yeah, Happened well. several times. Yeah. Um, so then there was day one and I got 24 okay. hours and I 
looked at that 24 hours as a spiritual experience when I woke up in the morning okay. and I, I had not had a drink. Uh, mm. And I said, I feel good. And I relied on that for that day. Of course, I went okay. to meetings. I did. I went to meetings. But okay. yeah, I relied on it. Uh, that day and I've been able to put together 24s thereafter wow uh, based on a, just based on a decision made a you decision know. so how old were you when you first started when, when were you when like when did your drinking career start did that start when you were Teenager. I'd imagine be yeah it was, I would imagine be kind of young because you're um you're a self-sufficient guy. You ran a business for 50 years, man. Starting at 17, you have to have a certain personality type to do that. Um, that probably interfered with some things, I would think, though. That, I, for me, that probably go to my head. Well, um, I, was, I was born in the early 50s. I'm 67. Okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, I... I was from a typical family in northwestern suburbs of Chicago, uh, okay. and uh, I was from a town where there were a lot of wannabes and a lot of have-a-lots. Okay. And, you know, and we were somewhere in the middle of that. Um, yeah. And, you know, back in the 50s, uh, alcohol was, it was accepted. Uh, mm -hmm. You can drink during. Um, I mean, it was discouraged that your mom would start drinking at home while you, because she was a stay-at-home mom, you know. Sure. But they did. But they did. They were just good mm -hmm. at hiding it. Uh, <laughs> and I, I remember, um, as a teenager, you know, um, alcohol was all over the place it was common you know mm -hmm. uh it was in the refrigerator it, it it and it really wasn't discouraged like it is yeah. now you know yeah um it really was um my uncle and aunt were raging alcoholics okay uh and and after my uncle threw uh, my cousin out the second story window, uh, he decided he would join AA. Uh, okay. He, he joined. He joined AA, quit smoking, and joined the Catholic Church all in one day. Wow. And, wow, that's yeah. a lot. I know. And and my <laughs> aunt died of alcohol poisoning soon after. Uh, okay. You know, and they found booze around their place for years afterwards. Um, sure. And it, that was my first exposure uh, to what was called AA, you know. And okay. my, my uncle died sober. Uh, I think he was a long-timer in AA. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I didn't have a whole lot of contact with him, but I, I, as okay. I remember, he, he was one of those guys where you would hear about, oh, my God. You know, the guy's been yeah. in AA forever, you know. Uh, yeah, so, and if he got sober, I can do it too, kind of a guy. Well, and yeah, and, and and I thought, 
A is something that I don't want to do, uh, even though okay. when I was, yeah, I mean, even though when I was young, I knew what it was, and but it was the last thing in the world I wanted to be a part of because I sure. thought I, I thought I was stronger than that, you know. Yeah. Um, I started. Uh, I started school real early. I was like four years old when I uh, started school, and. By the time I was by the time I was in fourth grade, uh, all the kids were getting bigger. I was real small. And um, my mom decided that it would be good to, quote unquote, hold me back. And uh, that was that was devastating, you know, Uh, because that to me, that meant you flunked fourth grade. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I mean, and that was really the, the thing is that right. Th- I, I, I go back now and look at where did all of this stuff start? What happened? Mm-hmm. Where yeah. did where where did these tendencies to be certain ways really <laughs> come from? And I've yep. looked the steps, you know, I mean, I've mm-hmm. been through the steps and, and I've done a lot of that searching. I've done the resentments and the fear inventory and the sex inventory. And, um, and I also went through my character defects and I had mm-hmm. to, uh, without a doubt, I had to figure out where a lot of those character defects came from. And they were from when I was really young, you know? Absolutely. Yes, they were. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, and so I know that in, when I was looking at the reasons why that a lot of them came up from was really young. And I've made okay. big mistakes over my life, too. Uh, it wasn't like I sure. was sober my whole life. I, I started drinking when I was in high school. But, okay. you know, yeah, drugs were easier to get. <laughs> you know, if, yeah. if you think of about 1969 in Chicago and you're yeah. in high school, um yeah, that was rock and roll, sex, drugs, you know. I mean, man, people were going crazy back then, you know. Yeah. Well, that was the summer. And, oh, that was 69. Sorry. Yeah, right. Um, so anyway, um, when I was in fifth grade, my mother said, oh, well, here comes this new uh, concept in middle school called teen teaching, and she wouldn't have anything to do with it. Uh, so okay. she thought, well, here, here's what we'll do. We'll send him to military school uh, a thousand miles away up in Minnesota. Um, and truthfully, Dion, that was kind of like a, a, a group home for, for kids yeah. whose parents had some money, you know, uh, who could yep. afford it. Uh, yep. and, uh, yeah, it's just uh, a, and it's just a higher priced group home is what it was. Yeah, and uh, there was 83 other kids there, you know, and I went wow. for a couple of years. And and, uh, uh, and it was disastrous, I would say, for my emotional sobriety or emotional growth, because now yeah. I was no longer I was no longer living at home, you know. No, I had no parents. Yeah. I had a bunch of people that were my called masters. Yes. Um, 
And the, you know, uh, the idea was, and my parents were kicking around the idea of getting divorced, uh, that this would be a good way to kind of protect me from what was going on around the house. Um, you know, behind the doors, my dad struggled to pay the bills and uh, my okay. brother was was on the East Coast in Ivy League schools and my sister was in finishing school in England and uh, okay. you know and it was me off to St. James Military School in uh, I was 11 years old you know um, back in those days uh, you know <clears throat> private military schools or boarding schools didn't mm-hmm. necessarily have the kind of uh scrutiny with those teachers like they would have had years later yeah and so Mm -hmm. it wasn't uncommon at all to have teachers that were uh that liked little boys you know and and other other boys that like boys and so you you kind of fell prey to whatever circumstances were going on around you um and I do remember some of those times, and uh, I was naive as hell, you know. Sure. Yeah, I was naive as hell, and um, I remember uh, we would. And I brought this up the other day in a meeting. I I remember we would uh, hyperventilate, you know. We'd uh-huh. hold our breath yeah. and pass out. Sixth grade, the, and I was going. Yeah. Why the hell would you do that, you know? I don't know know why we did either. (laughs) I know, but for some reason, it felt good. And I I liked the confusion, you know, when I woke up. Uh, And truthfully, I think that's where my alcoholism actually started. Uh, I I, I think I spent two years there and, and my folks ended up getting divorced and my dad lost all his money and, uh, okay. uh, you know, and we moved out of the big house and uh, my mom and I ended up moving from place to place when I got back. And, and so in eighth grade, we had, you know, no established house or anything. Uh, and my okay. mom was a heavy, a heavy drinker, too. Um, and I kind of got drugged into some of the morals that she decided weren't really that important in life. So, okay. Yeah. And that also was another thing that you learn when you're young is like, Mm -hmm. uh, it's okay to fool around, you know? And, uh, yeah, you know, her drug of choice, of course, was alcohol. Uh, Okay. But I, I got drug into her affairs, you know, and uh, okay. I, I developed a, a really unhealthy uh, sense of relationships with people. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, alcohol was there and I thought I could experiment with that. Marijuana was coming yep. around and, uh, you know, I, I hadn't even gotten into high school yet. And I, yeah. I still had I still had what I thought were good values from military school, and uh, okay. uh, you know, and then I, I went into high school, and I started high school really uh, doing uh, 
doing really well. I was elected president of my class and I was popular cool. and a uh, musician, you know, and uh, but because I had been held back, I had a lot of friends that were older than me and yep. uh, I would I would hang out with older kids. Well, that's kind of where everything went bad. Okay. Uh, and I had three kinds of friends at that point. Uh, the party okay. animals, the hardcore kids, and, uh, you know, and the good kids. Okay. And unfortunately, I started hanging with the <laughs> with the hardcore kids and Man. you know i did a lot of lot of drugs and things like that and i ended up getting thrown out of school uh okay for distribution and possession and stuff and i never did finish high school uh um, okay and and so soon after i came down with hepatitis from dirty needles and things like that uh ouch yeah, it was not a good deal. My mother ended up marrying a, a local cop uh, who arrested me one night. And yeah. so, you know, that I had to get out of there. And so I left yep. home when I was when I was really young, you know, and I made some yep. really stupid mistakes. Okay. I did some did some time in jail for I stole a barn one time. Uh, up in Wisconsin, this guy said, Can you help me go get some money to help this girl get a medical procedure that was uh, illegal at the time. And okay. uh, I, I bought into that and we got caught. And, you know, anyway, I ended up doing doing time for for that. And uh, okay. so it was time to leave Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> They were. It was now, time, time for I'm, me to go. So before we move out of Chicago here, I kind of noticed that you've always you were always kind of set up to be older than you had to be. Um, like going off to military school, um, you had to you went into survival mode, man, because you didn't have anybody around to protect you and. The, that taught you a different set of things, man. So you were forced to grow up um, way too early, man. That's kind of what I'm noticing. But that's why your friends were older. That's why you hung, you know, and you were doing more mature things because you had been taught that, that you were, you know, your childhood was kind of taken away and you went straight into being a young adult. That's absolutely the truth. And... I also had a sense of entitlement that because because yeah. I was being so uh, um, doing things that I shouldn't really have been doing at that age, I felt like I had the right to succeed. Yeah, absolutely. I get that. There was a side effect there that went that kicked in. Um, okay. One is is if. If you get taken out of your house when you're a little kid, mm -hmm. and you become angry, your emotional development stays where it was when, yep. when you lost your family. And yep. for me, it was 11 years old. So when I would yep. get angry, 
I would act like 11. I was 11 years old. Uh, yep. And, you know, I it was like that throughout my whole adult early life. It really was. Um, yeah. And I never knew why. Why? Yeah. That was, was I, nuts. You know, right. Why was I acting like such a little kid? Yeah. Because I never grew up. And it, and it was always a it, it was always a reaction. I was not above throwing myself on the ground. <laughs> you know, I, well, I feel um, you on that one, Marshall. Right. It was. Uh, it took me until I was in my mid thirties before I had uh, involved in in therapy. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I had to go into therapy for uh, domestic that I got into. And, okay. Uh, and this guy told me, he goes, you know, whenever you get mad, you act like you're 11. What happened to you when you were 11? I said, mm. well, I was sent away to military school. And he goes, oh, okay. Uh-huh. So that's about as far as you grew up right there, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's about as yeah. much love as you got. And uh, so he told me, he said, when you lose control, you go right to fear. And yep. you either do two things when you're afraid. You either run or you fight. And if you fight, you yep. fight like you're 11. Yep. So uh, it was an eye-opener <laughs> for me in my mid-30s, you know? Yeah. It really. I, I was grown. I had kids by that point. Uh, but, you know, that when I came to Colorado, uh, when I was, I guess I was 17, almost 18, um, I... It was lonely. And one of okay. the things that one of the things that I really looked to because it had worked for me when I was alone as a kid um, and I had an addictive personality already. I think you're born with that, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I think I've always had an addictive personality, but um, any that addictive addiction was nipped in the bud because I was put I put myself right into poverty I couldn't afford anything mm-hmm. you know dinner yeah. can uh, uh, goodwill clothes three dollar tires you know thing yeah. um, and so I got a job started working and uh, I would say that I did okay for some years you know uh, okay. and I did move ahead and got my company going and uh, I chased the almighty to stay alive well sure that was a, that was a good thing um, it really was I think that was a good thing uh, but it still didn't stop that addictive behavior once I got where I had a little bit of money I could do things I would make bad decisions because yeah. I had okay. never be, I had never become what I'd like to call a real man you know, I was always well, you weren't taught. Uh, you were naive. Yeah, and talk about self-will run riot. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was it was eye-opening later on in life. <laughs> um, so anyway, the, uh, years went by, and uh, as I got later in my twenties, uh, I got married uh, in the early eighties, and. Uh, Okay. Looking back, I, I, I thought it was a good thing, uh, but it wasn't an honest relationship either way. And alcohol was a, a thing there. Uh, 
and so was things like cocaine and and stuff yep. you know um she had had a, a a kid from a previous marriage and you know okay. so there, there was a child in there that all right you know and it was it was not a good it was not a good environment look good from the okay. outside bad on the inside all right yeah and uh so by about 1985 uh we decided to call it quits and okay. uh so she ended up getting pregnant and uh when we got divorced she was pregnant then and i thought that it was my responsibility uh and so when this baby was going to be born um i took responsibility for that and brought her back okay. and said okay doesn't matter whether we're divorced or not i'm gonna uh, we're gonna try this again okay um, and so then i spent the next year uh raising this little boy and you know we were we were trying our best well turned out a year later that um it wasn't my son and oh. yeah and then alcohol became uh a real personal leaning post for me yep. and i left and i i that would mean, break I, my heart yeah it was very tough you know because uh, i thought that that kid was mine and it yeah. turned out you know a year later that he's not and uh i i, I didn't do well after that um yeah. I, I i did keep my nose to the grindstone about working and stuff like that but uh i had a some pretty heavy drinking in the years sure. that followed that and then I, okay. I i met my wife uh that i am married to now we've been married for 32 years um, yeah and we Great job. i gotta do some clapping on that man 30, right, good yeah, job man 32 yeah. years um and so we spent the next 30 years you know uh raising uh, <coughs> raising two boys that were my own you know and okay. and for 20 out of those 30 years uh life uh i did a pretty decent job of staying sober uh okay. it, at least i appeared sober kind of if i had an opportunity okay. you know if i had an opportunity i i i would find a way you know yep. uh but like i said earlier uh a, a domestic put me into therapy and and that really helped me become a realized okay. man and i i did learn a lot um that went on okay but uh when my last son left for college uh, we openly started drinking again and uh, okay. and then i was diagnosed with ms and Ooh. uh and so scotch worked really well uh to get rid of neuropathy and it was okay. like a perfect excuse you know uh, sure and uh and onward i would drink and at this point then it was no governor you know i started blacking out i yep. drank, drank long enough now to where alcohol was starting to really raise its ugly head as we know from and then in 2018 i had a uh, a neck fusion 
and because uh, I had had neuro, uh, a stenosis in my neck, and I had this okay. operation done, and I came down with sepsis. Uh, okay. And and sepsis killed me. I mean, on the table. I had to yeah. go back in for surgery and uh, get jump started, and that experience Ooh. haunts me still. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah, after that, alcohol got really, really bad because I would, I was really sick for a long time, and okay. uh, yeah, that's when, you know, I knew I needed the program, uh, yep. but I, I just kept, I just kept fighting it, you know, and yeah, uh, it, finally, uh, a couple years later, uh, I, I went to the Dragon's Den. And uh, like I said, I had had some relapses and now I was uh, in the program and uh, I was able to get some honesty. And that's when okay. my higher for my higher power first showed up. And by day by day, it's been getting better ever since, you know. Um, yeah. Sobriety insurance for me is a meeting every day, Dion. Absolutely. You yeah. know. Uh, and when COVID came, um, I had had 90 days of sobriety. Wow. Was, yeah. <laughs> I was still pretty tender, but I yeah. I signed on to the Zoom thing, you know, and uh, the next thing, you know, the guy who was putting it together uh, just kind of dumped the whole thing in my lap. And he said, you know, <laughs> here, here, Marshall, you you take care of this. And he had to go to work, you know. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so uh, it became at that point, Dion, it was like survival of the fittest, you know. Yeah. And uh, there was a few of us that we try to keep it together. And, uh, you know, there was new people coming in there that yeah. had never been in an in-person meeting. And yeah. like they did things like say, will you be my sponsor? Well, shit, I, I, you know, uh, I worked with my sponsor and I said, These, you yeah. know, this guy wants me to be a sponsor. He goes, be a sponsor. You know more about yeah. it than he does. But yeah. I, I, I will tell you that I, I really felt unqualified, you know. Um, so I don't think that AA will ever be like it was pre-COVID anymore. I think sobriety yeah. is available to people who can't get out, you know. And the Absolutely. Virtual, yeah, the virtual format really does work, I think. A lot of people will disagree does. with that. But um, look, at, look at some of our meetings. I yeah. mean, they're, they're powerful. And, they are. And, yeah. And my, my sponsees are, are closing in. I have... Uh, a couple sponsees closing in on a year, you know, yeah. and uh, so well, and I, I, I'd like to throw some things in on on Zoom about that because I'm I love Zoom. Thank you, Zoom, for not raising your prices for being a decent company, man. What a great company. No kidding. But it's another way for us to get together. I deal and there's a lot of people like me and, you know, um, I deal with PTSD and anxiety. It's hard for me to do a lot of things that other people do. So the Zoom platform is nice for me. And no, it's not going to go away. You know, um, it's not going to go back to the way that it used to be. 
because it no longer exists that's for sure um, but i think that the zoom meetings are just as powerful as in-person meetings it's just how open-minded and willing are you well and uh you know, there's a thing about accountability, too, with Alcoholics Anonymous. And Bingo. one of it is, is if you say that you're going to go to a meeting every day um, and you're going to be accountable to yourself. Yeah. Then get in your car and go to a meeting. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, it's accountability in Zoom is. I don't think I'll I'll go today. And hey, hey, wait a minute! You know, you said you yeah. were Karen today, so uh, yeah. Um, there are differences <laughs> in Zoom than you would get from in-person meetings, but yeah, uh, uh, you know, um, I practice a few principles to ensure that I stay sober. One, okay. one, I go to a meeting every day. Yes. Um, I still talk to my sponsor. I, yes. I I read the book and I did. I worked the steps and I worked the steps again and again. Yep. Um, I like to participate. And so I talk to people. Um, mm -hmm. I read some outside stuff and I Absolutely. write. Yeah, I write stuff down in a book. Mm -hmm. Uh, now, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not a journalist or anything like that, but sure. I, that helps me remember. There's something um, about pen to paper that's just powerful. Yeah. I have little notes everywhere, just reminders, man. Right. And uh, I hold myself accountable to myself mm -hmm. and to the members of my group. Um, Fantastic. And I will say, and it should have been number one, that I pray and meditate every day. That's <laughs> yeah. how I start, and that's how I end. And then yeah. finally, the, the last real key to sobriety is do something other than AA. That's yes. good for you. Yep. That's, that's living. That's not just yeah. surviving. <laughs> so, you know, if you play the piano or you play drums or you, you train your dog or do, do something outside yeah. of AA. Mm. Yes, you do. That helps keep the squirrels out of your head. Yeah, it uh, it helps so much. And it says it on page 164 to go do that. Yeah, it says it you will surely meet some of us as we trudge the happy road of destiny. That's right. That's where I stole the name from, by the way. I like. Um, it. That's where I got trudging together. Um, uh, so yes, you it, see, there are some people that are okay, and they and they like to what I call settle for that, and that's okay. I love going beyond, man. That's why I love doing podcasting. I love listening to story. I love participating in stories mm -hmm. and being, you know, being a part of it and and creating safe places for people to come and talk freely. Because I found a hard, I had to find. Uh, I put this together because there wasn't one. <laughs> well, and it, the Zoom thing was a trial and error in the beginning and a, a lot of things uh -huh. worked and a lot of things didn't work and you know when when i say accountable and 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 starting zoom meetings it was like uh okay are, are you guys going to be here every day 
And of course, guys, for 12 and 15 years, you know, go, no, I'm not going to be here every day. And I said, somebody needs to be here every day, you know? Yeah. So, and, and, and then there's service positions that have come up that are radically mm-hmm. different than, you know, the literature chair or the grapevine yeah. rep, you know? Um, and, and so, you know, the treasurer, uh, they said, well, how are we going to raise any money? We didn't do that for a while. So we came up with the give butter thing and we raised yeah. money. We've, We've kicked in a lot of money into into the coffers of AA over the last yeah. year year and a half, you know. Yeah. Um, and then be a sponsor, and uh, you know we have a treatment rep, uh, and I think treatment sending getting people involved in treatment is is really important thing to do for a group. Agreed. Um, um, because that's or a, where or a detox. Yep, that's where they come but from. Those treatment, right? You talk to the people that come into AA. Where are they coming from? You know, yeah, they're they're treatment. coming. Yeah, detox treatment center. And the thing is, is you can't stay in there forever. Mm-mm. So what are you gonna do? You you got to go to AA. That's yeah. it's free. Yeah, and you, yeah, you got to find a sufficient substitute. Yeah, this is. Yeah, the and way. you know what? the The cost of living in AA doesn't go up either. The oh. first time I went to a meeting in 1984, I put a dollar in. Yeah, I still put a dollar. Well, so you know, if I have extra money, I'll throw in a five or whatever. Yeah, but um, now it's still a dollar. It is. Our coffee is still a dollar, right. um, but we do need those service. We do need those extra service things um, because we're not pouring coffee. We're not emptying cigarettes. Um, we're not really having that face to face greeter. Um, but there are different. There is a plenty of service work in those Zoom meetings. Yeah, There's a know, lot of back end stuff that happens that people. If you haven't run one, then you don't know. Well, and. Here's a good example of the last 24 hours when one of our members hasn't shown up for five Mm -hmm. days, you know, and when I spoke with this member on the phone, uh, I was told that uh, she had to put her cat down and the the next day. And I didn't hear from her anymore. And, And now, you know, we don't sponsor women and women don't sponsor men but mm-hmm. I, you know hey in AA I'll talk to anybody I I, yeah. won't, I won't be a sponsor but you know I'll I'll. But I could be a closed mouth friend there you go and I uh, can be that yeah and and so it turned out that you know she's been gone a while and so now we're we're actually putting together a 12-step call to get over there. Yeah. Know, there's a lot of work you have to do sometimes to, yeah. to hold it all together. And not like that fellow said at the meeting today, I'm not looking for a pat on the back. I just want to see yeah. that tomorrow <laughs> tomorrow goes good, too, for everybody. You know, Absolutely. That's it. That's what, uh, that's, what, that's what God tells me is mm-hmm. just... Do the next right thing. Yeah. Um, and and if you've done the work, you're going to hear your answer. You're going to... God, God answers me almost immediately anymore. But that took some time. I had to give myself a chance, man. 
give your you know and it's different for everybody i wasn't ready to do a lot of this stuff until i was two and a half years sober you know but i needed but i needed that time i went pretty far down the scale um yeah <laughs> i should not be alive um yeah <laughs> I tell people I look like a Simpson character when I came in. I was yellow. Um, I don't know how I, God, God does for us what you know what we cannot do for ourselves, and uh, and we talked about this in the meeting is our reliance upon our reliance upon God always needs to be there, and we can't be afraid to ask God for help. You know. I think sometimes we we tend to uh, get into the program for a little bit and then we want to start taking back a little bit of control when what we need to do is give up more. Very true. Become become used to saying the word. Yeah. Yeah. And where, and then, where, yeah, where it's comfortable. Yeah. And then being the word. You know? Yeah. That, and that's, action. that's what I, yeah. That's Put what I love about my uh, my words now match my actions so I don't have to explain myself to anybody but God there you go well and as God's children we stand on our own two feet and gosh that feels nice to be able to stand on my own two feet don't need to pat myself on the back about it Mm-mm. no yeah or and, it, and not every day is going to be perfect oh heck no right uh uh-uh. uh well, I'm going through some crap right now, right? But we can always stop to get out of ourselves. That's how we stop the squirrels. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you have any parting words of wisdom you'd like to, to shout out? Sure. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. There you go. <laughs> Keep it nice and simple. Yeah, it well, is my- real simple. <laughs> it is. Yeah, and uh, I... That's the other thing is we are highly intelligent people. I have not met an alcoholic or an addict that isn't highly intelligent. Uh, even if you think they're not, they are. <laughs> Trust me. Right? And we all have, you know, we all have different things. And that's okay. You know? Um, Marshall deals with MS. I deal with anxiety. But we can still come together on a common solution let it go let god do the right thing and help other people man so all right well marshall thank you for taking your time i certainly appreciate it uh thank you for letting me reset the time i appreciate that too so no problem Dion. (laughs) thank you it's been a pleasure absolutely and and for my listeners thank you for being here this has been um uh another episode of raw recovery I love all of you guys. You know I do. Peace out and have a day.